those are kind of what they cover, but we also need to be listening for our body in the sense that we're listening for, are we listen, we're listening for signs and symptoms of prolapse. We're listening for signs and symptoms that our core isn't managing the load that we're asking it to manage. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Ashley about her personal journey of navigating motherhood now for the third time and how we can gradually rebuild our strength in motherhood. Hello and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I'm so happy to have you here and really just get started about, uh, you know, everything that's going on with you being 10 weeks postpartum and and just everything that you've been doing. So how about you go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about you. Okay, my name is Ashley Haringa. Um, This is my third child. So I have a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and now a two-and-a-half-ish month old. Um, And I also, so we've got a lot going on in our lives. We've got, we're getting ready to homestead. Um, So we bought property, we're building on six acres, and we're working with that. And then I also do, I work with pregnant and postpartum moms and women in general on Um, exercise, and then core and pelvic floor health as far as that relates to an exercise program, either after they get done with pelvic floor PT, or, you know, if they're years postpartum and still just feeling like they're not um, where they want to be as far as like getting back to a sport or getting back to something they love, like dance or whatever it is that they love for them. That's awesome. So when did your fitness journey really begin? And when you started, were you initially working with moms and and pregnant women? Or did that kind of take a turn? So I had so I didn't really ever I didn't work out, I guess, (laughs) until like, probably when I was in grad school. So like, you know, 22, 23, you know, I did some sports as a kid, I was a cheerleader in high school, but um, I didn't really work out until later in life. later in life, I guess that would make it sound like I'm 60, but (laughs) I didn't work out until well into my 20s. Like I was not like, I would not call myself like a high school athlete or anything like that. I found Muay Thai and weightlifting at that point and I really loved it. And when I got pregnant with my first child, so that would be about six years ago, I started doing just a regular personal training certification And honestly, I was so, I guess, overwhelmed with anxiety and pregnancy that I, I had, I went through it, but I never took the test for that. So then after my son was born, um, I had all the knowledge base. I'd been with the, the, the Muay Thai gym for a long time. And I started their fitness program there after probably around the time my son would have turned one year old. And I taught group fitness, and so it was not at all targeted moms, which is a general population, mostly weight loss, people who want to get into activity, get started, kind of a boot camp atmosphere. Um, And as I'm postpartum with my son, I'm just kind of learning that like, whoa, there's like no information. I really struggle with diastasis. I got really, really big with him. And I don't know, I just, I was all belly, but I was, I worked out that whole pregnancy Um, but I was huge. Like, I, I mean, huge, like people were asking me, like when I was like 30 weeks pregnant, they were like any day now. Right. And I'm like, and, uh, anyway, so I worked out with him really with no knowledge base on what I should and shouldn't be doing beyond what, you know, your doctor gives you, you know, that like, okay, you shouldn't be doing crunches and maybe scale back and listen to your body kind of thing. That whole, you know, that typical what the paperwork your doctor gives you when you go to work out or that they give you at your appointments. And so just through a lot of like searching on the internet, stumbling upon things, I start joining these groups um, that are really for uh, health professionals or fitness professionals working 
with women and working in pregnancy and postpartum. And I start listening to uh, the Institute for Birth Healing, I believe is what it's called. Um, they do a fitness professional and a um, just mom like seminar. And so it's free. Um, and every year they do one of each, I think. And I started listening to those, the, uh, those seminars and things and just learning about diastasis, learning about recovery. So finally I get myself in, into PT and it wasn't an ideal PT situation and I never felt like I was fully there. So then fast forward, I get pregnant with my daughter and I know more. I'm doing my certification when I'm pregnant with her. I did my certification for Girls Gone Strong. I've finished up and actually took my test for my PT that I studied for before. I got a new book, I took it, took the exam, got qualified. I did that first and then I finished up my Girls Gone Strong pregnancy and postpartum certification and um, Sarah Duvall's uh, core corrective exercise for pregnancy and postpartum. So I did all those kind of around the time that I was pregnant with my second child. Um, and I had learned so much just in between there, but I felt like I really needed to go and get those certifications um, just to one, know more. I think the, the Duvall course, it was all the unanswered questions that I had from kind of learning on my own. And so I just really, I felt like I needed that. If I was going to start a business working with moms, I needed to have those credentials. I felt like I would want somebody to have those credentials if I were working with them. So um, I did that and, and I, I loved it. My goal is to eventually go to Anthony Lowe's in-person female athlete course. Um, and he's one of the big names and I love him so much. But uh, that's my next, my next continuing ed that I really want to do. But yeah, so that's kind of the timeline for that. I was never, I was, I wasn't really working with moms to begin with. But, and I have worked with grandmas, what you may call grandmas at this point, who you know, they're later in life, but they're, we're still seeing those issues and we're still working on this postpartum issues because they never worked on them immediately postpartum. So uh, I, I say I coach and train women and I'm certified in pregnancy and postpartum uh, because I don't really work with men. Um, not that I'm, I don't like men or anything, but uh, I just, that's not my focus. No, that's great. And you know, like you were saying, you know, working with grandmoms or, you know, people later in life, if we're not really, I don't even want to say like jumping into it, but if we're not kind of correcting issues that are maybe a little off or, you know, maybe we're noticing a little bit of something, if, if we don't take that time to really focus and get the assistance and help and training that we need postpartum, those are going to linger on like well into our later years in life. And it's not going to be something that just like necessarily goes away on its own. And it will just be something like there's never, I guess, like a, a point that it's like too late to start it. And like, you know, I think a lot of the times like I started going to pelvic floor therapy and, you know, they say that some moms will say like, oh, after I'm done kids, I'll jump into that or after I'm done kids or after this one, or maybe like, you know, the next one. And it's, it's kind of like, why not address the issues now, or at least see where you're standing and sort of evaluate yourself there. So then like when the next one comes or, you know, once you're done having kids, you can kind of see where you've changed and what's fluctuated and you can still be learning as much as you can during pregnancy and postpartum that you maybe otherwise think isn't necessary. Yeah. So yeah, like everything, I totally agree with that. Like there's no reason to wait. I mean, I saw pelvic floor PT through my second pregnancy and through my third pregnancy. And that was just a preventative thing. And even despite what I know, it's always good to one, they can do a little bit different things than I can. And they, well, they're looking at me. And I feel like we always have a bias when we look at our ourselves. So like I can look at myself, I can make videos of myself, I can look in the mirror, but having someone else look at me and give me the advice that I know is good advice in my head, but I'm not always listening to is amazing. 
(laughs) So like, you know, it's just like, sometimes you just need that like backup voice, like even if you know, and I mean, I didn't have any issues in pregnancy, but like going to see a pelvic floor PT during pregnancy is even amazing just to work on your birth plan. Like if you, you know, are planning to have a vaginal birth, if you're planning to have a cesarean birth, whatever it may be, taking those, um, what a lot of us call in in the industry called prehab, taking pregnancy as being prehab before you get into postpartum, you're doing prehab. You are doing measures that is going to make the rehab part a lot easier postpartum and you're setting up a plan. Um, so there's never a wrong time. And again, there's never like, there's, it's never too late to, if you're two, five, 10, 20, 50 years post kids, you can still improve and make things better. You can still, you know, you can still improve those things because our bodies change and adapt. And that's, what's so wonderful about our bodies. Our bodies are going to keep going until they absolutely can't keep going. But what that means for us is that we are compensating. So if for let's for let's say like my left side is just really weak, my right side is going to get really strong to compensate it. So if my right core is I'm kind of standing like, you know, sideways, I'm leaning, holding on to a kid, I'm flaring that side out. My right side is ratcheting down and stabilizing me. Well, now it's really strong and I'm probably cause some imbalances, which is true because my right side is like that. (laughs) My actual right side is like that. Um, And what's amazing is our body does it. Our body gets through it. But then you get to a point where compensation, compensation, and now I'm experiencing pain. And that, you know, you never know when you hit that point. Um, So correcting early is amazing, but it's never too late to jump on that bus and get started. Because when you hit menopause, you're also seeing a hormone change, which then that's when a lot of women see an uptick in pelvic floor or uh, symptoms is in menopause because of the changes in your tissues. So if we can get in and correct those before you get to menopause and do, let's say, prehab for menopause, then we're also doing our bodies a disservice for the long term as well. Yeah. So what maybe can you give us like a little bit of typically what prehab is looking like for, you know, during pregnancy and then what our our rehab is looking like postpartum and kind of, you know, like how do you guide moms through those periods? Like what things are you specifically like looking to help with information that you're kind of guiding them through and what can they kind of expect to be aware of during those periods? Right. So during pregnancy, what that looks like, and it all depends on the mom, like what is her activity level? Like whether if she's like, you know, really into, let's say CrossFit or marathons or whatever her thing is that she loves to do, or if she doesn't like, she doesn't like exercising. So um, it kind of looks a little bit different for everybody, but the things that, uh, that we first look at, especially moms who, who do tend to work out a lot, the first thing I like to address is just our mindset, our mindset around exercising during pregnancy, because um, a lot of people who work out intensely, they're competitive and maybe not even competitive with other people in that area, but they're competitive with themselves. Like, oh, my time on this before was this, or I lifted X amount of weight before. And so that competitive measure, we have to work on that because Pregnancy is not a time to PR. It's not a time to, you know, set records. It's a time that we want to maintain our fitness and we want to do the things that we love as long as we can. But we also want to do what's best for our health long term and being competitive even with ourselves is not the best for us long term. So, um, you know, that idea of everybody seems to be cheering you on in pregnancy if you're you know, you go to the gym or something, they're like, Oh, good for you. Like, I'm like, it's awesome. You're still here working out like and you're doing great. But then there's nobody cheering you on postpartum. (laughs) 
Um, so that's the first thing that we want to look at is that mindset and keeping the idea that the pregnancy is a very small period of your life. And we want to do what's going to be helpful for your long-term health and fitness and your long-term goals for the rest of your life. And so that's the, that's the very first thing, that mindset. And that's what we need to address. Like first thing, like when you first come in, we need to talk about that. If especially like if you are an avid fitness person, and I just say that because that, you know, whatever that is for you, if it's running, if it's lifting, if it's CrossFit, if it's martial arts, whatever it is, it needs to be, that's the first thing. The mindset needs to be addressed. So doing what's great for us long-term. And then second is breathing patterns and looking at our breathing and our core and our pelvic floor. And that is super helpful, not only during pregnancy to kind of, can we keep those transverse abdominals, which are the muscles that sit underneath your six pack muscles, the rectus abdominis, the transverse abdominis is basically, it's a really important muscle. It's the one that gives us a flat tummy. It's our corset muscle. It's the one that stabilizes us. So it's the workhorse. The rectus abdominis, the six pack muscles, those are just the like look good muscles. You know, they don't, I mean, they help us. They, we use them. They're great. But the TAs are like a lot more <laughs> important. And your pelvic floor, obviously. And that's all connected. So working with breathing and breathing through exercise, um, accessing the pelvic floor and core during your exercise. And then that's again something we can work on in the first trimester. And then we take that throughout the second, third, and then postpartum. So learning those things, getting that on board, and then working with people who already exercise, working to find good modifications for them that keeps them doing what they love doing, but doing it in a way that serves them long-term. So um, I can help people find those modifications. And then just adding in some extra exercises that are going to help you with your core keeping it strong, keeping the breathing good, keeping your um, TAs cued in, because a lot of times we just, that's what we lose connection with in pregnancy. If we don't focus on it, a lot of times our body loses that connection with those, those muscles because they're stretched out so far. If we know how to connect with them when we're pregnant, then we start establishing that postpartum and earlier postpartum than maybe if you've never if you've never thought about your core and pelvic floor, if you never like felt for it moving those muscles, like you're not gonna know like when you go postpartum somebody's like, Oh, like can you contract your core and pelvic floor? And you're like, wait, what do you mean? Like I don't I don't really know where those muscles are. Um, so establishing that, adding in exercises, um, rotational exercises, um, keeping those connections, those, those muscle slings across our body connected in pregnancy so that in postpartum, it's easier to jump back on that bike. And yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, we hear don't do things that have to do with your core because like, that's where baby is, you know, avoid the sit-ups and things like that. But you obviously know, like there are still, like you were saying, modifications and things that we can be doing to still be working those areas and muscles and such, but we're still protecting our baby, protecting our body. So what do you kind of like, you know, here's a mom and she's like, oh, I I can't do any of these workouts anymore because like I was told to avoid this or that. Like, what do you have to kind of say to them in that sense? So I think what we see a lot of, and and it's getting better, we'll say it's getting better, is that we see care providers either go to like one side or the other, like they're extreme. So it's either like just walk, like don't lift anything over 20 pounds, which we can talk about that. Like most moms have have more than one kid, they're lifting over 20 pounds. (laughs) You know, they're like, don't do like, just be really super cautious. And then you have other ones that are just like, listen to your body, do whatever you want. And just make sure you listen to your body and don't get overheated and the basic things. Um, and the problem that I see is that with midwives, OBs, their job is to make sure your pregnancy, your baby stays in your body as long as possible. And that baby is healthy. 
and the uterus and cervix and all those things are healthy. Their job is not muscles. So they just don't know a whole lot about that. Most, and that's not to say some care providers do, but the majority of care providers from what I've experienced and what I've heard from other women is just, they just don't know about that. And they're not educated in that field. Their advice is just coming straight from, you know, their textbook. And we just know so much more than that. Um, And a lot of the studies, basically, we've got new studies coming out about Olympic weightlifting and pregnancy and CrossFit and pregnancy. And basically what we're learning is that, one, you're not going to let yourself overheat. I mean, you're going to stop before you get overheated. So that's a good way to listen to your body. Like we do still, I just don't want moms to listen to their body, but what I want them is to know what to listen for. And that's the one thing that we miss out on. Like, what are we listening for when we say listen to our body? Like if we're too exhausted, I think we know that one. Like if we're too exhausted, we're getting too hot. We're feeling sluggish. We're getting like dizzy. We know that those things are signs to stop. You know, if we're getting contractions, we know that those are signs that we maybe, if we're getting regular contractions, like, We need to stop doing what we're doing. Those are kind of what they cover, but we also need to be listening for our body in the sense that we're listening for, or we're listening for signs and symptoms of prolapse. We're listening for signs and symptoms that our core isn't managing the load that we're asking it to manage. And so, for example, teaching women those signs and symptoms. So am I leaking? Am I feeling heaviness in my pelvic floor? Am I having trouble holding a fart in? Am I having trouble controlling my stream of urine? Am I feeling heaviness or dragging in my pelvic floor? Does it feel like I have a tampon in my vagina when I don't have anything there? So looking for those signs and symptoms, and obviously pain is another one, Real pain in your pelvic floor, that's another you know sign or symptom. Um, uh, all those are signs or symptoms that our body just is not managing what we're asking of. And so that's what we're saying, like, listen to our body. That's not bad advice, but we have to know what we're listening for. Um, And then, you know, looking at your core, knowing, you know, the feel, like some people describe it as like a burning feeling, a stretching sensation when those tissues are just stretched beyond where they should be. And then visually, we can see coning or doming during pregnancy. If that's happening, Um, we want to either modify the technique and if that does not work, then we want to just stop. Um, We want to find a different exercise that fits our body better at the time. So for example, during my first pregnancy, I continued to do pull-ups for a long time, even like not like I did assisted pull-ups. I continued to do that despite like I didn't know what I was supposed to be listening for. I didn't know like I was supposed to be looking at my core and seeing like, well, is that like stretching that fascia too much? Is it, is it causing problems? Um, And then I knew better the second time and and I had to stop doing those pull-ups, which I love. It's one of my favorite. I love pull-ups. I don't know. Just one of my favorite exercises. And I went to ring rows or inverted rows instead where I well first I went to banded and then when banded wasn't working anymore I went to ringers and I just had to adapt um but I had to know what I was looking for because the first time I didn't know what I was looking for it was just like oh I'm listening to my body I'm fine I'm not overheating like I don't have any contractions I'm feeling good (laughs) um not about to pass out so we're good to go uh but yeah we we have to know what we're listening for and teaching moms to know what to look for in those uh things and I hope I don't know did I answer your question yeah and then also you know like again going into now postpartum you know I think everybody knows that six-week checkup appointment of sorts and you get the clearance of okay you're good to go Uh, what is your opinion on that and what can moms kind of be doing postpartum, again, like listening to your body, what have you learned and been seeing that really uh, is happening in that postpartum period? So what's really bizarre about postpartum is like, if you're listening to your care provider, like zero to six weeks, you're like, you know, maybe taking a walk. And that's about it. Like you're doing you're basically you're doing nothing. And then six weeks is like, do whatever you want. (laughs) So here's what 
my thoughts are. And, and, you know, you always want to check with that care provider that like what you're doing is safe, but I will say that they've done studies and breath work and pelvic floor, gentle pelvic floor work are completely safe in the early postpartum period. That's, you know, uncomplicated. Like as long as you're not having any complications, you know, if you're hemorrhaging, like, no, obviously not. If you've had, you have in fact, like scar tissue, like C-section is a little bit different, but, um, you know, they don't tell moms to massage their C-section scar a lot of times. And that's something that needs to be happening ongoing. Um, and so there's a lot of little things that you can do. That's not like exercise per se. It's not like getting some like exercise, but it's, it is breath work. Um, and breathing and, and just re-tapping into that pelvic floor and core. We're breathing all the time. And then for, for moms that have uh, C-section scars, that, you know, that's something definitely you want to talk to your care provider about. But there's definitely work you can do on those as well um, and desensitizing that scar tissue um, so that you're not having issues later. So there are lots of little things, um, but lots of body weight, like, things you can do. And a lot of pelvic floor PTs will see you in those early weeks postpartum, two, four weeks postpartum, you can go in, you're not going to have an internal exam. And so I think every mom, no matter the mode of birth, no matter how well birth went, definitely go see a pelvic floor PT postpartum. And even if it's just for an evaluation, like all you can afford is that evaluation please go in and get that evaluation, get some guidance. Okay. I know that money is tight a lot of times and, and, you know, public floor PT can be expensive, but like go in for the evaluation. If, if all you do is go in for the evaluation, just go in for the evaluation and just know where you are. Um, get somebody to look at you, um, and assess you and see where you are and kind of where you need to go. And then at the six weeks point is kind of where I think you know, you're continuing that rehab um, that you started in the early period, the breathing, the gentle breath work, and all that kind of stuff. And then you are moving into body weight movements, reestablishing good patterns in your movements, because your body has changed a lot, your core, everything is still healing. And you know, Pregnancy and birth is a huge change. Our body goes through huge and dramatic changes. And for lack of a better word, it is a hugely traumatic to our muscle structure. Um, And so what we have to look at is we get that six-week timeline. And when your doctor checks you, they're checking your cervix and they're checking your uterus. They are not checking your muscle. They are not looking at your pelvic floor strength or any of that kind of stuff. And they may not even look for prolapse unless you ask them to. Uh, so, and they may not even mention it. So that's kind of, they're, they're not, they're concerned with that uterus and that cervix. And are you healing? Are you still bleeding? Is your C-section scar healing? Um, that kind of thing. They're concerned about the medical standpoint, not the muscle rehab standpoint. So that's why pelvic floor PT can be so important, at least having that evaluation because your OB is checking for their realm of expertise. Your pelvic floor PT is going to be checking for their realm of expertise. Um, They're not going to be looking at your uterus like your doctor is. They're going to be looking at your muscles. Um, And that's why it's important that you don't just just take that six weeks to go do anything um, and that you start a good rehab program. You get in the breath work, the rehab, the slow moving exercises, you reestablish breath connection, you reestablish good posture, all those things. And then we start rebuilding our strength. We start rebuilding our core strength, our pelvic floor strength, our leg strength, our arm strength, because naturally we lose muscle during pregnancy and we lose strength. We lose our ability to, if we're lifting heavy weeks, we, we, everybody goes down. Even your biggest competitive athlete, like they're not going to be able to lift the same amount of weight that they did at the end of their pregnancy. They're not going to be able to lift that postpartum. Um, and there's a whole reason why that is. But you need to go back in and rebuild that strength. And then once we start rebuilding that strength, we start adding exercises in that look like the exercise you want to get back to. And then around 
10 to 12 weeks, we start adding impact exercises in. And that would be running, jumping, uh, that kind of thing, anything that causes impact on our pelvic floor. And uh, so I know a lot of OBs are like, keep running in pregnancy or, or you know, you're fine to go li- go run six weeks postpartum, but don't lift any weights. <laughs> uh, no, like, no, 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 no. Like, that's like the opposite of what we actually want to be doing. But um, like, don't go pick up 200 pounds, but like, we want to be lifting and strength training so that we have the strength that when we go to run, and that we go to put impact because that puts more stress on our pelvic floor than lifting weight, the impact does. We have the strength to support our uterus, our, you know, our bladder and our rectum. And we have those, that muscle strength we've established. So that's kind of the timeline postpartum. And, and I, I highly suggest that, you know, establish a good, you know, a good working relationship with your pelvic floor PT. So if you can, you know, get in for an evaluation. So my schedule looked like I came in around three weeks postpartum, and then again around seven weeks postpartum, and I'll be going back at 12 weeks postpartum. And um, so we're kind of looking and evaluating. She gave me some things to do. Um, and then like, I wasn't really able to do as much, um, but I, I kind of, worked back into it so then I just like I texted her said like look like what what do you think what are you thinking for me like I I actually was able to get in and do those exercises and I'm feeling good about it I'm I'm having time to work out now where I wasn't you know previously what do you think I should be what what can I kind of add in until I see you next time so um you know, right now I'm just still strength training I'm trying to get in a little bit of cardio like on the rower on the bike um, non-impact cardio, uh, maybe a few burpees here and there. I like burpees cause I'm weird. So, you know, just working in some cardio that's non-impact and, and lifting weights right now. And that looks really weird right now. Cause I'm having to just take all my kids with me and do it. And that is something I refuse to do after my first, which my first was a totally different kid. He was really hard to manage and he didn't like to be sat down at all. So I had to have somebody watch him. Now my other two kind of entertain the third one a little bit. And I'm able to get in, you know, 20 or 30 minutes in without holding her. I'm really excited about where I'm going and excited to run again. I I have a love-hate relationship with running. So I think I'll be looking at, I'm doing some strength training for running, like some, some single leg strength training to get me back into where I can run. And I'll be, you know, around 12 weeks when I talk to my PT, I'll be working on that. But that, you know, that's what it looks like for me. And it's going to look different for everybody. And and this this approach is slower than it was last time because I just, I didn't have any time. Like, I just, we're, I have three kids. We, we just bought land um, to build a house on which we're clearing off. It's, it's, um, it's an interesting process. So my husband's been gone a lot working on that when he's not working at work. And he just started his um, his full schedule. He teaches. He just started his full schedule back this week. We got in a wreck last week. So we have one car. The so things have been looking a little bit crazy. But I think from that wreck, I was having so much anxiety that I was like, I have to go work out. So I've worked out a lot in this past couple of weeks because I just like, I was like, my anxiety is up here. And, and that's another thing is that we don't want, I don't want to take away from women. Like, I don't want to say you can't do anything there's always things we can find to do that are safe because like if you're like me exercise is just it lowers my anxiety level better than anything else getting outside walking in nature and exercise like other types of exercise lowers that anxiety level and that's something I never want to take away from anybody so there's something we can always find for you to do to help you do that safely and get back to what you love, do it in a, do things that are, because I feel like if we can find things for you that you're working toward, uh, whatever it is where that you want to do, for example, I've worked with a dancer, she, she did belly, she does belly dancing, and, you know, getting her working out and moving quickly, working back into that quick movement, helped her get back into belly dancing and helped her feel like 
she was actually doing something to, you know, to progress that so that she could do what she loved. So we just have to look at it like that postpartum. We're, we're, you know, we're doing things so that we can get back to and do what we love for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that you just covered that I absolutely love. You know, going to your OB at that six week postpartum visit, that's great. But like you said, like finding other individuals that are, that are going to be able to really like look deeper at your care and and what they specialize in and being able to find other avenues of individuals that are really going to focus on each of their own specific thing that's going to help you through postpartum. And like you were saying, like, I know it can get like expensive, but even if you go in for that evaluation and just see where you are and things like that, I had a cesarean with my first and the scar massage, I had no idea that was even a thing. My OB never mentioned it. And if they did, I was in such a fog at that point that I didn't process that I was supposed to be doing that. And now that I've gone to pelvic floor therapy and they've exposed me to that, I've seen such a difference in my scar, like the mobility of it. The It used to be a lot more raised. The skin, I could feel it. Now it's it's so flat. My skin is so flexible around there. And I think, you know, that also causes sometimes a lot of people say that like shelf that's going on there, like where the incision is and it's clinging to your skin too tight and it doesn't have that flexibility there. And if you're not massaging it, if you're not kind of like doing the pinching or pulling, rolling, really desensitizing that area, you're not going to be able to get that full stretch and mobility that it's supposed to do while you're moving. And so that was something huge that I never even was exposed to before. And now two years postpartum, I'm learning about this. (laughs) Yeah, so you don't know how many people I've been like, well, are you massaging your C-section scar? (laughs) Like, are you doing that? Let's do that. Because what happens is there's so many layers that they cut through. And there's some beautiful videos showing, just demonstrating the layers and some of them are kind of funny. Like somebody did it with the sandwich and you know, uh, there's some really good demonstration videos that just shows you how many layers of tissue, muscle, and uter- you know, everything that they're cutting through to get to your baby. And we want all those things to knit back together. And if we're not massaging them, then, and they're not knitting back together well, um, and, and they're, they're getting knots and getting raised and, and either becoming painful but they also can cause our other muscles to function different so then I may have you know my c-section scar may not be bothering me but maybe my back's bothering me or maybe my sciatic's bothering me uh maybe my shoulder's bothering me and sometimes we can massage you know people can massage that c-section scar and oh my God, it makes a huge difference in the what they see um, as far as how they're moving, how they're breathing, how their pelvic floor is functioning, how their core is functioning, how their shoulders are functioning, how their back's functioning. It's huge. And I think what we forget is that our body is a huge chain of muscles. Like they're everything's connected. Like so. <laughs> sometimes it's not always what we think it is like and that's why going to see people who know what they're doing it's not always that I need to get my back stronger because my back hurts maybe it's I need to get my core stronger maybe it is that I need to get my back stronger maybe my breathing's off maybe that ankle injury that I never rehabbed 15 years ago is actually affecting how my pelvic floor my core are functioning because I've gotten into this compensation pattern so um it is absolutely insane how connected and that's one of the things that I'm constantly reminded of and that I just felt I guess amazed by is that our bodies are so connected so 100% connected from our you know from our shoulders our foot our ankle can actually refer pain into our shoulders because we get into a compensation pattern and our shoulder gets up here and so it's just, it's so connected. It, it is so connected. And, and again, like we're saying, like, that's why it's so important to see somebody who knows these things, because it may not just be your shoulder and your average, you know, your average coach in the gym 
I hate to say this is not going to know those things, um, especially when it comes to pregnancy and postpartum. Like, they just don't know because they were never taught. And if and having done a general certification, having seen a general certification, it's not in there. It is not in there. They do not talk about that. And when more than 80% of women are going to give birth at some point in their life or have given birth at some point in their life, I think that's something we really need to be covering more. <laughs> yeah, it's that interconnectedness. It's it's so very important. Like you were saying earlier, getting in, like not waiting is important because if you're pregnant and you've had other kids and you're like, well, I'm just going to wait or wait till after I'm done having kids to go see this. Well, that can affect your birth that you're getting ready to have. Our pelvic floor is very receptive to stress and trauma. And so even, I mean, it sounds crazy. It sounds a little woo-woo, but like working through stress and trauma is can help your pelvic floor um, because your, your pelvic floor is actually in your core or anticipatory muscles. So that means before you go to do something, they turn on. It, it's crazy. They did, um, they did a study, I believe it was like with scary movies or something like that. And they looked at the pelvic floor and how it reacted. And um, it tensed up when we were getting into those scarier moments, when we were anticipating those scary moments. And so that tension, again, can affect your birth. Like if your pelvic floor is tense, it can't relax during birth. If you had a previous traumatic birth or you're still dealing with emotions from your previous birth, muscles like need to be worked on. Those, those stress and triggers need to be worked on because our pelvic floor is very receptive to stress. You could be overtight and not be able to relax during birth and maybe experience a different kind of, of traumatic birth because you're not able to relax and, and just not have the best birth possible. And so, you know, there, there's just so many arguments for, for getting in there. As soon as you kind of realize that there is some issues going on, um, and just getting in for even if, even if there's no issues, getting in for prehab, first time moms, getting in for prehab, because it can make postpartum go so much easier. Because let's be realistic, when our body isn't functioning well, we're not going to feel well. Like if our body is not necessarily sick, but if our body, if we can't do the things we need to do to pick up our children, to close a car trunk, it doesn't make us feel good inside. <laughs> it doesn't. It makes me, I mean. Like if I can't do the things that I need to do, basic basic functions, if I'm having pain standing up, if I'm having pain holding my baby, if I'm having trouble sitting up out of bed at night, that is going to affect the way I am feel emotionally postpartum as well. So yeah. again, just <laughs> so many arguments in favor of getting in there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And exactly like you were saying, like it's all connected. There's all every part of our body is is functioning in its own way, but it's all tied together somehow magically. <laughs> like like you know, there is something going on there and like you were saying, like getting rid of that stress level and that trauma, you know, there were some things with my birth with my first that really were kind of brought up and were going on and I knew I had to work through that, you know, in order to have a functioning pregnancy this time and and leading into what birth is going to be like again. If I was holding on to those, you know, traumatic experiences or or occurrences and kind of just like letting it get to me and letting the stress build up or how you were saying like also working out reduces your anxiety and and really just moving your body and and releasing all of that. I think it's so important to give ourselves that time and that care in order to do that rather than just let it exist and, oh, we'll deal with it later or it's really not that big of a deal. Or sometimes you might not even realize that something was an issue or a problem because you're so busy. You're so busy as a mom. You're running around. You're doing things. You're dealing with your baby. You're trying to make sure baby's okay. And we're not taking that time to readjust back to ourselves. How you were saying even, you know, with the belly dancer and she wanted to like get back into those movements and stuff, like finding something that you love and that you enjoy doing that's going to help you release those things and 
and build back the strength and, and re charge yourself in a way. I think that's what a lot of moms are missing. And we think that we have to only provide for our children now. And this is just how motherhood is. And we're, we're not, you know, taking the opportunity to, you know, get that proper care that we need. Right. It's that guilt. Like it's in, 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 like, cause I, I was talking to a friend whose, whose child was born around the same time. My third is her first. And I was like that you shouldn't feel guilty for leaving your son. You, you're going to feel it. Like you're probably going to feel it, but not that you shouldn't have that emotion. It's a legitimate emotion, but you deserve that time. Don't feel guilty for, you know, have that emotion, acknowledge that emotion, but also acknowledge that it's okay. Like I shouldn't, I don't need to feel guilty for leaving my son to go do something that I need to recharge myself or to go to work. I mean, I know a lot of, a lot of moms feel guilty as they're, as they're leaving to go to work. And, and, you know, for me, I I did, didn't really work that much because it just didn't make sense for us financially from, I worked around my husband's schedule because that's what made more sense for us financially as far as like daycare versus me staying at home. It, It just made more sense financially for us. But for some people, that's not what makes sense financially. And and that's totally fine. And some people love what they do and want to go back, but they also feel guilty. And having a career is also part of your identity and something that you have that you if you want to get back to it, you should get back to it and and acknowledge that feeling of guilt, but also figure out ways to release that and, and understand that, yes, I do feel guilty, but doing what I need to do to provide for my family or I'm doing what I need to do because I love it and it is a part of me it is a part of my identity and it's something that I need to keep yeah and you can have both I think that's what a lot of people like don't understand like they think it has to be this or this and it's kind of like you can have children and you can have a career if that's what you want like you can have children and you can have time alone to yourself to you know, take a bath or go work out or whatever. Like you can do both. It's going to be different. It's going to take a little bit more effort, but it is possible if that's something that you want to continue to keep up with. That is the one thing, taking a bath, speaking of that, that is the one thing. I hate going to bed without taking a shower. I feel sticky. I don't like feeling sticky. Don't ask me why. I can't put on lotion at night. I have to take a bath. And that is one thing I did not ask for. My son was so clingy and needy. My first, I've got one son, uh, my other two girls. Uh, he was so clingy and needy that there are some days, I went days without taking a shower. And I love showering. <laughs> I love taking a bath. I hate feeling sticky. Um, and that is with my other two, that is the one thing. That was, if there was nothing else that I did that day, I was going to get in the shower at night before bed. And I made sure. Every day that I did that, and I asked for that time, I said, I need to go take a bath. <laughs> I need to go take a shower. I don't like baths. I actually like showers. My husband takes more baths than I do. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, you know, that was the one thing that I made sure that it, if, if nothing else happened that day for myself, that was my one thing. And I think having that one thing, and it may not be a shower for you. My husband can go days without showering. I don't know not my, not my thing, but like, that may not be a shower for you. That may be sewing. It may be getting on Facebook without holding a baby, whatever it is for you. It's that one thing. And also like what you said is you can have those things like you don't need to give up yourself just to be a parent. And like, just because it's hard and just because we had kids doesn't mean that we don't deserve some care and love from our community or and from our uh family or whoever like or for ourselves from ourselves like just because we're moms doesn't mean just because we know it's hard just because we chose to have kids doesn't mean we're like choosing to give up everything else and i think there's this this weird like subculture out there that that's still that's still there um I think it's getting better. Right. And that goes into, you know, I see a lot of that, um, you know, like, oh, if you're a mom, you can't like complain about your children. And it's like, 
no, like, yes, I signed up for this. I wanted to have children, but you're still allowed to have hard days. Like anything that you decide that you want to do in your life, you're still allowed to say like, this sucks a little bit, or, you know, like I'm having a hard time or this is going on and this is difficult for me. Like you're allowed to complain, even if it's quote unquote, something you signed up for. Like you should, yes, definitely be, you are so deserving of that care and and getting what you need in order. And you need help sometimes. Like it's totally okay to ask for that and advocate for that. And you don't have to do it all on your own. And where that idea has kind of like strung from or come into is is boggling to me, but... I yeah I'm 100% on board I'm like well I wouldn't tell somebody who let's say they love their job oh you can't complain about that today was hard because you love your job and you signed up for that job you better not complain about it like who does that like if we compare parenthood to a job then what in the world are like we would never tell somebody that they couldn't say that they had a hard day at work Like, even if they love that job and it's what they want to be doing for the rest of their lives, they're allowed to have a hard day, a hard week, a hard month, a hard season in that, like, there are hard seasons in parenthood and, uh, you know, it just is. Like, three, that's a hard season. Three is a hard season. We're allowed to have hard seasons, like, and we're allowed to have hard days and we're allowed to express that and it doesn't mean that we don't love our children uh, and we wouldn't do it again but it just means that like it's hard yeah same with college you know like yeah we want to go to college and we want to get a degree but sometimes it's hard it just is it's part of life everything well do you have any final advice for new moms I mean you are in the thick of it right now you are right in that position so are there any things you know like you're hearing specifically or people are doing for you that you're really enjoying and loving and um you know just what what is that time looking like for you and now even with three yeah like so for 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 me personally this was the easiest transition postpartum and I really don't know why that is. Some things have been harder. Like this time I've had harder time losing weight. Okay. And that that's it. Like I, my core has been better. Like the adjustment from one was the hardest for me. And then two was really hard. And this time has been fairly easy. And I don't know like if that's because I've accepted more help and we've had, um, you know, my husband took a lighter schedule during the summer. This was an unexpected kid. This was like, I found out I was pregnant and I was like in tears because we had all these big plans. Like we actually had just signed a contract on the land that we were buying. And it was, it was a surprise. It was like, you know, it only takes one time. Well, yep, it only takes one time. <laughs> um, It was one of those pregnancies. And And I was just like in tears, like, what are we going to do? Like we had talked about having a third. So it wasn't like that was off the table for us. So I thought this transition was going to be really, really hard. But I think um, all in all, uh, I had really good care support postpartum. Um, I had a home birth and um, my midwife checked on me, came to see me at, I think, like it was like a, the day after or two days after she was born and then like five or five-ish days after she was born and then at two weeks after she was born and then I went in at six weeks so and you know was constantly available to like communicate with my midwife if I had questions and I think that um having that care support and that's one thing that like a lot of women don't have um I felt really supported um and seeking out somebody to support you, whether it is a care provider or just another mom, is really important. Having somebody to check in on you, because I think that that made things easier, like having access and and having a, a care support system and setting up a meal train. Even if you set up a meal train for yourself and just be like, hey, if you want to do something for me, bring me some food, <laughs> like bring me dinner one night. That was a big thing that we had this time that we didn't really have the other times is that we had a lot of people bring us dinner um, post baby. <laughs> um, 
And that was super helpful. I mean, and because I'm the only one that cooks in my house and that maybe not always be the case, but I'm the one that cooks in the house. So like that was one thing to take that off my plate was creating that circle. Um, And if you know a mom, if you're not pregnant, you know a mom. I mean, for me, like, that's the first thing. Like, if somebody has a baby, can I bring you a meal after you have your baby? Because to me, that was like the most helpful thing. And it may not be for everybody, but at least it's a little bit of help. You know, And I think that circle, like having and establishing a circle of people that will help you and that you can go to and ask for help having a doula is really great um and if you don't have that circle maybe hire a postpartum doula have somebody there that like that's another you know another thing is having somebody there having a doula or having postpartum doula like that's somebody that can help you process your feelings about birth they can help you with your baby they can you know just give you that extra support that maybe if you don't have family right there um that they can do for you. Um, maybe it's your family's far away. Maybe you can say, hey, since you're far away and you're not able to be here, you can give me money to, um, instead of you know buying a bunch of baby clothes, give me some money to hire a postpartum doula. Um, so seeking out that care support, um, I think is essential. And I, I kind of just felt lost after my first. I didn't feel like I got that. Um, and And I just really felt, <laughs> lost so that support system I think is super important Um, and just establishing that before you go into that postpartum period Um, and if you're you know if your mom just remember to check on or you know if you're a friend of a mom like check on check on your friends just just check on them like they may not reach out and ask for help concretely ask them like can I do this for you can I come clean your house can I come do your dishes. Can I come watch your older kids for you? Can, would you like to bring over, you know, your older kid to play with mine this day and this time, like give them concrete because I'm one to say, okay, that would be great. But like, if someone doesn't say like, give me a concrete thing, like, you know, can I bring you dinner sometime next week? When will be a good day? Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to accept that help unless it's given like in a very concrete way, like, oh, thank you so much. But then I won't like go back and ask for it. So um, that's one thing you can do for other people. I feel like I feel like sometimes I didn't always do a good job of that, but I I read that somewhere like giving concrete, and I and I acknowledged in myself that I I would not accept help unless it was given in a more concrete way, like in a definite like can I when can I bring you dinner this week or can would you like to bring uh, Kellen over uh, and just drop him off for an hour on Tuesday, and then if you can accept non-concrete offers and be like yeah I know you this, but can I can I actually bring him over on Tuesday <laughs> like like you know I know you said if you'd like to bring him over can I you know that you know personally I, I'm not good at doing that but like if you can get good at doing that do that <laughs> yeah yeah that makes total sense well thank you so much for you know coming on here and sharing all of your knowledge and it's been amazing and informative and I think, you know, new moms are going to be packed with a whole bunch of information that, you know, probably they weren't aware of before. And I think that's exactly like what I want this to be like, you know, like you said that the first time, the first baby, it's kind of you, you're lost and you're in this like whirlwind of of everything. And like now with your third, it's like, OK, I know what I want. I know like what is going on. And I think it's kind of, you know, trying to get that information out there and available before it's kind of you know you're you're saying wow I never thought about that before I never knew about that or things like that like really advocating for that you know first time mom but also any mom that's going through it again so thank you how about um can you let us know like how we can reach you like where you're at on social media and things like that yeah, so um, my business page, Facebook, uh, Instagram is Strengthen Her Fitness. But you can find all my contact information there. I have a website too. So if you Google Strengthen Her Fitness, you'll find that as well. So yeah, come. I, I try to do some informational posts and just, you know, real life stuff as well. Um, so come check it out. 
And um, I would love to have you follow me and just interact, ask me questions. I love questions. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood. Mm -hmm.